the top of the interview. Today I have Megan Stefka on the show. Uh, Megan is playing virtual show CLE Sunday, 8 p.m. with Jeff Clem and Ben Gage. Uh, Megan is someone I've known for years. I, uh, After I started going to Mike Nights and learned how uh, music works with George and the uh, Mike Knight he was doing moved and got shut down for a while, and we started going to Megan's, or maybe it was simultaneously, I don't remember. But me and Cody really started playing together, like doing acoustic and songwriting and stuff at Megan's Mike Night. So Megan's Mike Night and the atmosphere Megan makes um, has been a big part of uh, my artistic development. So Meg's been around my whole musical life. Um, this conversation was uh, recorded over a phone, so... Uh, the volume peaks up and down, but you can hear what Megan's got to say. And we get into some really cool topics. I haven't talked to, with someone on a lot of philosophical ideas. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment, review, rate, um, subscribe, whatever. Uh, on the podcast website, it helps the artist get heard. Uh, okay, here we go. Megan Stefka. Well, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good, not bad. This is the Zig at the Gig podcast. I'm hanging out with Megan Stefka. You got a gig coming up on this f- Sunday. Yes. Uh, virtual CLE, everyone's house, with uh, with Jeff and Ben Gage. What's Jeff's last name? I can't remember. It. Clem. Clem. That's an easy one to remember. I think. I think. Yeah. No, you're right. I was just blanking. Okay. But um, so how's a uh, how's quarantine been for you? <laughs> It's been okay. As yeah. you know, I did the 48 marathon to keep myself the, beautifully distracted for a week. It gave me something to work on and yeah. a way to connect with you there know a lot of artists at once that I was missing seeing. So uh, you did a 48-hour stream fest. The phone got a little weird there for a second. That's what I'm saying again. Um, which is like an insane amount of work to get 48 people, arguably. Some people probably did half-hour sets. And like to keep it going and aware of it for two days straight. <laughs> it insane. was perfect. It was the perfect thing that I needed to do. Like you know, you know, yeah. we have our open mic nights and we're always pushing <clears throat> events. And I had just said like a, I think two or three weeks before the quarantine happened, before the stay home order happened, I had made a post on Facebook about how I still worry, will people show up to open mic? But I'm so grateful that they always do now. Like, for years, it was always like, will people show up? You know, you play a game, will people show up? And recently, I was just just full of gratitude. You know what? Every week, there's people there. It's awesome. It's happening. There's a momentum. There's a connectedness where people know what's going on more than ever. So I did feel pretty okay doing the 48 thing, just thinking, you know what? People are going to show up for each other, especially because we're all stuck at home. And again, everyone is missing live music, not just the musicians. So, you know, I felt like I was able to give a lot of people who either always come out to see us all or never get a chance to come out a really great chance to tune in and hear some good artists this week, that last weekend. So, yeah, it was was cool. I think that one thing that's cool about the live streaming thing, you're reaching people you normally wouldn't reach. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Like someone who would come out to Manic Monday probably or the person who wouldn't come out to a manic monday would probably be at home you know around the time you know that mike knight gets rolling but here everyone's at home and it's happening all the time so like i think it's a really good way for people to be aware of things that's maybe going on all the time they never have time to check never had time to check out (laughs) absolutely absolutely that's what it felt like too sorry no sorry i cut you off no worries (laughs) Um, how, so you also have been doing virtual open mic. How's that been going? It's been great. So after I went to one virtual show, CLE, I attended yeah, yeah. the second one that Michelle did that had Ray and Maddie, um, and Austin, um, Austin Walken Kane. Shout yeah, out. Yeah. Um, after attending the zoom, I learned, you know, I was observing the entire time as well going, how can I, cause I had never had a zoom room before. I was like, how yeah. can I do this for open mic? And I learned a ton and I saw that I could at least get it off the ground. And really with the zoom room, it's like, it's just like a virtual hangout space. So, I mean, it's in a strange way, it's even more intimate and fun than open yeah. mic all of a sudden, because we're just all there in time with each other. Um, and people are, you know, right there listening and watching you play. 
So it's gone good. I've done two of those so far, and I plan to do them every Monday. <clears throat> we're doing it at 9 o'clock. Manic yeah. Monday, of course, usually didn't start until 10. It's a but, little early. You know, the 9, <laughs> yeah, the 9 p.m. start time is good because we are all home, and I want to make sure it's accessible to people who 10 o'clock is still too late for because some people are still working and still keep their normal schedule. Um, but, yeah, the Zoom room, you know, it's cool. It's a little... You know, the, my mom sent me an article recently that, you know, Zoom is, you know, obviously we all know it's getting overwhelmed, but like there's a lot of hacking going on with hmm. Zoom right now. So people should stay aware of that yeah. and make sure they keep their rooms, you know, invite only and have a password when you sign in. Um, besides that, because people are, you know, they're hacking bank yeah. information or whatever because everyone's suddenly using Zoom. I'm not worried, too worried about the people attending open mic and all that. Yeah. But yeah, you never know who's going to show up and like cause a problem with that. So that's a new, you know, new things we're learning with the technology, the up and the downside of it, but plenty and plenty of upsides to it. It was, it was sure. really cool doing the virtual open mic. I think that, well, one, that's that's a uh, important thing to make uh, people aware of because I didn't know that with the Zoom thing. And I bet like everywhere, all the like group hangout things are going through um, services like Zoom or Google Meets or whatever. Um, I guess Zoom's pretty cool because as a mic night host, you can queue up who's coming up next, right? Is that kind of how you do it or? I have no, I have not actually mastered the Zoom room in terms of the list yet. So that's one thing that I'm still working out the glitches for. Um, for the first week I did a sign up before I ever started the room. So I knew who was playing, but yeah. I didn't put them in any order. So then we got to the Zoom room, and I'm like, okay, let's use the chat bar on the side, the chat box, and fill out the order. And it, oh, it was kind of cool. chaotic. That's, so but, it was kind of chaotic. So I'm yeah. learning to manage the room a little better. But, yeah, you can have, like, when you host a Zoom room, you can have, like, you know, everyone's mic is muted when they first join. Um, you can do things like that. So it yeah. is cool to be able to kind of control the group. But after, like, you know, it kind of gets out of control because if everyone talks at the same time on Zoom, it just cuts whoever has the most prominent um, audio signal, it seems like it just cuts to that person. So it'll cut yeah. around if people are talking over each other, which is pretty funny to watch in real time, <laughs> but it can also be frustrating because yeah. I'm like, okay, let's get to the next person, and then someone just starts talking, and <clears throat> it's all very fun and good problems to have at yeah. this point. Yeah, and I guess it keeps that interaction and everyone in it together. And, like, yeah. I think that's out of all this madness. Everyone's, like, paying attention to each other with the moment they have them. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, I don't know if maybe me and you would have got to hang out at a mic night and have a conversation like this just because you would run in play, you'd run in the place and keeping everything in order. And, and like, I, I don't know. So, like, I've been doing this podcast and hang, talking to everyone who's been doing gala shows and it's been really cool because some people I don't think I ever would have had like a conversation or like a, a moment to moment like this. So I, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of good from all this madness once it all, you know, I think so. Too. I think over. people are and I think people are connecting incredibly authentically. Yeah. Virtually at this time, because we know we know we're in a very weird time. And especially with the stay home order, it's like, awesome. I'm hanging out with you right now. Yeah. It's like we're hanging out and. Like you said, I'd be hosting something, you'd be hosting something, we'd have shows, we'd be running in different directions, um, you know, in a small parameter of, you know, <laughs> Cleveland, but we wouldn't run into each other. <clears throat> Where this, yeah, kind of requires people to come and meet in one place, in one sitting, and yeah, and there's, really... there's some, we're deepening connections for sure with each other, so that's what we're going to come out of this with, is even better friendships. For sure. Hold on, my mic went, like, start. Oh, look at that kitty on your screen, though. Oh, yeah, this is Noodle. He's been here no. the whole time. He's just, like, no. flopping. That's why I was <laughs> into Noodle, because he likes to noodle and things. Um, <laughs> that's also been the awesome, like, thing about this. I just get to work at home with my cats. Yeah. <laughs> All my, like, lesson videos for my students have Noodle in them. Just, like, what up? <laughs> Hey, everyone needs to see animals right now. That is very cool. It is very cool to have that, that opportunity to be like, yeah, we're doing this. It's a different time. I might be stressful, but look at this cute cat. <laughs> Was it, it you said um, in the group, which I found really amusing, that this is your noon. Is this your noon on the regular? Or is this your noon? Yeah. <laughs> You're shaking your head like, I thought. Yep. <laughs> yes, this is, I forgot it was video, yeah, audio, not video. I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah. My entire adult life, I've worked a second shift job yeah. or music, you know, yeah. second shift hours. And I've never been one to be able to fall asleep after said job or show. So what I usually do is after a show or a job, you know, it's midnight, yeah. 1, 2 a.m., I come home, I decompress, 
I eat food, like I eat dinner after a show. I eat lunch technically yeah. before a show, but that's like an 8 p.m. thing. So I'm eating like lunch before a gig. And then, um, yeah, like have a relaxing dinner. I'll go through social media stuff. If I was an open mic, you know, I'll post things at 3 or 4 a.m., you know, I'll catch up. But it's like the best time of the night or work on my own stuff. Like it is the best time gotcha. of the night to like come home and, you know, whatever I'm working on production-wise, whether it's a video or a song I'm mixing or when I was mixing stuff with the band, with, a, you know, the album, it's like, yeah, 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. There's nothing else going on, so you can just do um, do the work or painting. Like, I just, I love working through the night. I always yeah. have. I used to paint, you know, before I was before I was actively playing music in my early 20s, I painted a lot. And, yeah, 3 a.m., put on PBS, put on like on the old TV and in the kitchen because we had like the old TV and just, you know, five channels. Uh, like we didn't have cable in my kitchen in my house, but yeah, that was my jam. Like put on something and just, just pain away. zone out. Everyone would be sleeping. And if they wake up, they're just kind of groggy for a minute. You know, my parents want to live with them and then they go back to bed and you just have the space to yourself. So I really like space when I'm creating. And yeah. so I always think I've pushed into the later night to have that alone time space to just be free in it and not have to say, you know, I have to go to a job after doing this thing, creative thing, or I have to go to sleep because I have to get up early. So, yep, gotcha. this is my noon. That's awesome. I didn't know if it was a quarantine thing or if it was like a, you know, if it, just because there's more time and you know not going on. But to me, it made sense because just how like just like well, Mike night starts at ten, and yeah. like I get the whole as soon as I'm done with a gig at night, I'm like I gotta get food, and then like veg out and try to sleep for a bit, you know. But I found a. I'd wake. I kind of have the opposite. I'll wake up real early, so I would wake up like I'd wake up at four or three some days, or uh, five or six anywhere from there, and just start knocking stuff out. And there's something about that like no one's really gonna you know mess with you right now. You have time to right. Focus. There won't be there won't be three text messages. There won't be you know emails coming through. There just won't be that like distractions coming yeah. in at that time of night. And so that is that is where it's at and. Yeah, no, this is definitely my uh, natural biorhythm, and it's, it's been going on for a long time. So I can't say that, yeah, then there's nothing, you know, yeah. overly positive about quarantine. You don't want to make it sound like it's a vacation, but no, I not. will say that not having to be anywhere at it's... any time of day, I feel very, you know, when I'm not anxious about what's going on in the world and I can go into my bubble, I am, you know, very much enjoying the late nights and, you know, using the time to just bust through projects and come up with ideas like again the 48 hour marathon i'm sure i had that idea at you know 3 a.m and i'm like i'm gonna do it and the next day i'm like did i really say i was gonna do it yeah i did so let's do it that's awesome um, though but yeah was it <laughs> and thank you for playing it yeah, i have to no, say thanks. that too jumping on <laughs> near the last minute i was trying to save some spots that again i thought were awesome 1 a.m i'm like that's a great time to play music and all these people were like uh 7 p.m not you know yeah. they wanted a more normal time so yeah i'm grateful you jumped on that, that no was that awesome. was awesome it was a lot of fun like i uh i wasn't sure how 1 a.m was gonna go but i had like 20 some people hanging out with me that whole time that was rad and yes. like I was a little, I was mad at myself because when I mixed it, I used my, I don't know how you've been doing your streams if you're just using your phone, but I've been trying to like, I think I uh, uh, unconsciously prepped for this. <laughs> like, so I got this mixer and like, I was just, I had my guitar really high and like, it wasn't peaking here, but it was peaking on the thing. I'm like, gosh. I didn't, I watched it. I don't remember anything sounding bad, but it was, you were the one of the first people to go and I was just taking it in and watching yeah. the comments and watching the interactions, but I never noticed that it sounded peaky or anything yeah, like that but i just, hear you I'm... like this whole like medium of trying to get the sound right because i remember yours cut out or something you started the mine was facebook so mine was just because i was on yeah. facebook so much that weekend sharing <laughs> so much content and also yeah. like I was so I had four other moderators by the end of it. I think I started with two other mo two or three moderators when it started, and then I asked a few people to hop on and just share videos during the hours I'd be sleeping, which of course are to most people normal hours of the day. So I'm like, you know, I knew gotcha. so and so I was would be up at nine a.m. It's got to follow that and, up. I was like, how, where do you sleep then? So yeah, okay, well, you know, everybody thought they're like. Yeah, people asked me if I stayed awake all 48 hours because they didn't know that yeah. I was sleeping during the day. Because, you know, I was like, oh, no, no, I slept from like, honestly, I was up incredibly late during the 48 thing. I mean, I was sharing videos till 7 or 8 a.m. And then I would sleep wow. from like 9 to 4 or 5. But <laughs> it worked for the for the other moderators because yeah. they weren't up in the middle of the night. And I was just doing my thing, making dinner and 
um, you know, it worked really well, but no, for Facebook, because I shared and liked and commented so frequently, like I was constantly on people's hmm. live streams yeah. and then I was sharing them to two different pages and then I'd watch people's live streams and I would leave a bunch of comments and like, you know, hearts and stuff because yeah. I was sincerely enjoying it. All that activity put up a flag and Facebook was like, who are you? Sign uh -huh. in again. And then it just kept kicking me off and it Weird. made me change my password. And by the time I went live at the very end of the 48, it Facebook hated me so much that right in the middle of my live stream, it just crashed. So I don't know if that was my, you know, my system, my phone or whatever I was using. Yeah. It could have been my phone was just full. It could have been a number of things. But yeah, my live stream okay. is in two parts because it crashed. Gotcha. Well, we're all figuring this out, I guess. Yes, it is kind of it's kind of refreshing in a way to see everyone like coming from. I guess it, it's almost like a, it's a virtual. Everything's a virtual mic night. Everyone's kind of starting for the first time, playing in front of their first crowd, <laughs> but virtually, like in some heavy yeah. heavy hitters like Christine Jackson. Uh, her first one was sideways. You know what I mean? Like that's funny. Not that yeah. it was <laughs> bad. It was sideways, and like it's it's so interesting that like uh, I think like just all these artists having all these all this time is going to lead to more like super creative things like 48 hour fest and like uh you know there's going to be more ways that this streaming thing gets more interactive and more like i don't want to say creative again but creative not that it's not already but and absolutely absolutely and it's funny because with open like i've had people come to my open mic over the years the manic monday especially because it's just always hopping and you've been yeah. there a couple times yeah, like, yeah. you know there's like a a series vibe happening there and um it's, people it's, have said oh my god this should be live streamed like you should just live stream this whole thing and like a year ago i'm like whatever yeah whatever live stream you know what i mean like i didn't see the need because everyone was already in the room yeah. that being said of course everyone wasn't already in the room and there would have been people who would have enjoyed watching it but i just didn't know i didn't have yeah. the time i didn't yeah. have the time to learn i wouldn't make the time to learn because i felt like i was busy doing other things I, this has put a lot of perspective in place and it's said you know a lot of us are yeah realizing like oh I can use this time to learn not just how to connect right now virtually, but things that I've meant to learn in the past that I wasn't able to make time for. So it's definitely something's yeah. happening. I feel that for sure. I've been like ever since. So uh, the reason I, I don't make it out to the Manic Monday as much as I would like to is because it's, it, it does start at 10. And like I teach, I teach full time now, which I, th yeah, I think I've awesome. told you. I don't know if I've told mm -hmm. you. I, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, I'm a, I teach pre-K to senior high adapted music course and adapted music course for kids with autism, and oh, like, that's awesome. <laughs> thanks. And like, um, so I, I gotta wake up at like five. You know, I'm early, I'm up early, so staying out late is a not a it's not in the question most nights. Um, but like, um, after Thursday, we got the news that oh, you're gonna be uh, we're shutting down the school for like three weeks. I'm like, uh, what? And like. But as soon as like that Monday rolled around, I like I had a schedule for myself. I'm gonna wake up. I'm gonna learn this. I'm gonna learn that. I'm gonna learn that. I'm gonna work on piano. I'm going over to drums. Blah 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 blah. I'm gonna spend an hour writing. It's just for me. I just I innately it was like I need that schedule. <laughs> like I just need saying, to work no, on stuff. No, I definitely stuff. yeah less less schedule. I mean for me my schedule isn't necessarily like yeah the hours of the day, but I'm definitely like a task or two a day that I will absolutely, I've been sticking to. So that's helped me too. Like I need a schedule. I'm, yeah. I always use like a physical calendar still. Like I write down, you know, I've crossed out a lot of gigs over the last month, but I have the physical calendar and I'll write down, Hey, this gig, what nights I host open mic, you know, what other tasks I need to do that day. And so, yeah, with everything just stopping, I've, you know, come up, I'm going to make a video this day. I'm going to work on a new song this day. And it's like, I've definitely been trying to stick to a schedule as well. It, it helps. Um, but slower, slower than usual. And again, it's nice. I, I mean, in a weird way, I, I feel like a, everyone I knew was really, really busy a month ago, like overwhelmingly yeah. busy. Like we're just all backed up on a ton of stuff. And it's both because t we're catching up to the technology that we've been using for the last 10 years. Like I have four full iPhones that I've always said that I say, I'm going to empty this out and make sure <laughs> to get everything off of it. And yeah. like, you know, my old phones and it's things like that that I feel like we're going to be able to do in this downtime and with, you know, again, best hope for everyone's health and wellness during this. But that being said, yeah, if you're stuck at home and you're you're being safe, it's like, yeah, they, we all know we have things to clean out and clean up and, yeah, making think, a schedule with that has been helpful. And and there's something with having a physical schedule and or list of the, whatever to-do list and crossing the thing out. Oh yeah, right that's my the, favorite. <laughs> right in the gig on the calendar or whatever it is, you know what yeah. I mean? Be like two weeks, see you then. You know what I mean? Like there's something to, there's something 
I don't know, like it, like rewarding about the physical, like whatever scene. No, you're 100. percent There's psychology. There's psychology behind that too. Like that's the thing with all the technology is when we use um, like our notes and we're typing our notes yeah. or even a computer and you're typing. You know this as a songwriter. When you get the pen out and you write your lyrics your brain processes that differently than it processes typing the lyrics. So yeah. I know that. So when I write a new song, a lot of times I want to put it in the computer because I want to be able to see the lyrics, you know, and save them neatly, yeah. my handwriting, of course. But I still, I'll go back and I'll rewrite them by hand or, you know, things like that. But writing down, yeah, writing the schedule, crossing it off, that physical touch, funny enough that yeah. we're all not touching right now, but that physical touch pen to paper that has been going on in humans for how long now? You know, pens, quills, etching in a stone wall in a cave. Like yeah. thousands of years humans have been making with their hands, making things. So there's something to that. I doesn't it's not you know, it's not crazy at all to be like, What's that thing that happens when I write and I cross it off? Like <laughs> that's being human and yeah, we have to stay connected to that. So I, I would I, definitely encourage people to yeah, make lists with a pen and paper, not just on their computer, not just on their phone. Because everything we're doing right now is virtual. So everything else that we normally would do with our phone or computer, if you can do it not with your phone or computer, I think is a good time to do that. Like yes, pen and paper people. I think it's just what you said. It's the connection of the act to the physical the physicality of it. Like it's it's simple, but like I think uh, complex at the same time. Simple, but if, I don't know. But the, <laughs> that's a weird. I'm gonna be thinking about that for a while now. <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's core stuff. I think it's core as core as you know the again human touch. I think it's yeah. a simple. You know, it goes deep in our DNA core to be like making with your hands making something even if it's making a list it's there's something to that but of course we all again artists and songwriters know yeah making with your hands can also mean holding the guitar and making something yeah. um yeah it's it's definitely at our core <clears throat> was it a so you started painting that was your main form of expression when you first started um i think poetry was my main form of expression when i first started yeah. i think as a teenage very preteen junior high somebody you know, like in school, you know, it's something, something, I don't remember what it was, but something triggered poetry in me for sure. I think it was music actually yeah. listening to music. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a nineties baby, 90s teen. I shouldn't say nineties yeah. baby, not, you know, a teenager in the nineties. So all the grunge stuff, Pearl Jam really, like I don't yeah. listen to Pearl Jam anymore, but in the nineties, the lyrics by Pearl Jam definitely jumped out to me. And I was definitely started paying attention to words and lyrics and just thinking, wow, this is something different. It's like talking but sort of behind a veil. And yeah. I loved that because I, it took me 20 years to really take the veil off, I think, and want to be myself in front of people fully. Like, it took me a long time to do that. Yeah. So I like this, like, veiling of thoughts and emotion and just being emotive with words. So, you know, I was a big poet uh, for a while and then slowly started playing guitar. But, um, but I, I didn't go out and play. Like I played a few open mics in high school and, and a few things like that. But I didn't think I was a songwriter or a musician or any of those things. I just, you know, made some songs and played some songs. But I didn't have that like you know what yeah. what we have in the city now, which is a lot of open mic, a lot of community, a lot of support. I didn't know anyone in any music scene at at, at that younger age. So yeah, I stayed home and painted, and you know, I, I try to learn songs and guitar. And it took me well into my late 20s until I found uh, Zayla at the Root Cafe. And that yeah. sort of was my first dot to like, oh, there's a music scene in this city huh. and I didn't huh. even know it. And, and it just, you know, from that point forward, I was like, well, yeah, you're in I it. You're them. a big, a big chunk of the, the music scene. For me, you're a big introduction. You're the Zayla in a way. Yay. Um, I, remember, I tell the story all the time. Like, <laughs> when Dave was not even 16 and his aunt was driving yep. him to the open mic. I do remember. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that we were there for you. And that was a weird, random open yeah, mic that... place at the Lone Tree uh, in but North Ridgeville. Which I... Sorry, I was is say... that even there anymore? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same. I don't know if it's still Lone Tree or same people. I think it might be different. But yeah. like, I think that's what's important about mic nights in general. But is it even if there's like six people there, it's like a for the people that come it's such a chance for them to to express that's their time that's their five o'clock to paint you know what i mean like 
It's absolutely the, and it, the people wait all week to do their three songs at this, and it's real important to as someone who does Mike Nights a lot. You know, I'm just this is me talking to me. You gotta stay in it. You gotta be remember that it's for them, and like in the best. No, way. that's great to hear. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true, and I do try to keep that as well. But yeah, when you do it week after week, sometimes you can forget if it's not a busy week. You feel bad about it, like oh you yeah. Know. But it is. It's about the people who do show up and who had been looking forward to it, like you said, all week to be at that place and and on stage and hoping to be heard just for that. That, again, that feeling that we're all in it, the yeah. reason that we're all in it, you know, music is that feeling that we get when we play. It's like, wow, I'm connected to something much bigger than myself, and I want to connect with people on that level. And when you share a song, you hope that that's what's happening, and it is. And, uh, yeah, that's and that, a great thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of times for the mic night going to that, for a lot of people, it's a confidence builder. It's a, it's a chance to go out, try something, and come back and be like, I did it sweet yes you know even even if it didn't go good people get so hyped up afterwards like oh yeah 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 that was so cool thanks you know like you know what i mean oh yeah (laughs) but um was there um kind of going back because we we went pretty far (laughs) was there like a was there a pearl jam song in general that you're like whoa eddie vetter's got something going on lyrically i don't know no i'm not i'm gonna say nothing that jumps out right now it was just you know I th- you know okay well the album so i was what was it? i was <laughs> vitalogy came out and i okay. think yeah, there was that's... a ton of hype about the release and i yeah. hadn't owned any of their other stuff yet and because it was the hype of the release and i was noticing that um i i, mean, I think i back you know i bought the t- uh, two earlier albums so i was like all in all at once surrounded by three albums of Pearl Jam and just I think being able to see that too it's like years of somebody's life different moods different styles different lyrics um and yeah I just felt like I was like in you know that person's head almost because there was so much content and and that was cool too because I think a lot of times we think especially at a younger you know at a younger age like I have to be this one thing yeah I have to be this one thing I have to be this one mood I have to artistically express myself with only this type of I don't know I mean the crazy stuff young people think so seeing so much variety at once come from one person it really was sort of like okay like i can i can just just write anything and you know if i don't like it i don't have to use it and just that that helped i think i, I used to definitely think that you had to be in a box and so that makes sense and I, that that between that those first three Pearl Jam records, they're all over the place. Like, Vitalogy yeah. in general is just a weird record if you'd compare yes. it to, like, 10 or whatever. Like, yes. And now, yeah, now I'm hearing the songs in my head, too. I'm thinking about yeah. Deep from 10, actually. I don't know okay. why I can't remember any words except I can't touch the bottom. I'm in too deep. But even that, I mean, people have been calling me Deep since I was a child or an old soul. And, <laughs> you know, just I, I could feel, you could really feel some heaviness to Eddie's spirit in that intent. I mean, all the albums, so you know yeah. what I mean? But, like, I think that was it, just being able to identify with that, like, heavy, like, that heavy feeling of, like, I'm trying to help who's ever listening see what I see. And yeah. that's, I think, how I felt my whole life. It's like I feel, you know, extreme gratitude and extreme love for, you know, a lot of people. And I, I've watched a lot of people feel you know, frustrated or you know, we all get caught up in small things or get frustrated by small yeah. things. And I just think that that, you know, seeing into music helped me say, oh, my gosh, like the big picture, again, connected to something so much bigger than ourselves. Um, I will say, too, very shortly after the Pearl Jam, <laughs> all the female songwriters. So like Sarah McLaughlin, yeah. Tori Amos, all those. I just dove into so many albums. And again, lyrically, just beautiful stuff. Tori, very challenging lyrically. I was like, whoa, what is she, is she yeah. really saying that? You know, <laughs> whereas like Sarah McLaughlin was like a much softer, but just so poetic and graceful wording of things. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I really, I love the language. I love how language, you know, and music together can really emote something that it just wouldn't happen if you were just reading the words. So obvi- that's such an obvious thing to say, but it hit me so hard at, a young, at that young age that I was all in. Well, yeah, there's definitely the combination of the two because there's reading poetry, right? Did you? So you said you wrote poetry. Were you into reading? Like, did you have a poet that you were not like these poets that are out there? I mean, I've been at a few, you know, poetry events, and I'm yeah. just always impressed how they're like. And there's something, something, you know, there's so much delivery with it. I was never yeah. that way. I was, again, more just expressing and and thinking out loud. Like, I think I'm just a, a, I'm a philosopher also at heart. Like, I was always, I'm always just thinking about things. And so when you put start putting in words and just flow with that, 
Um, but no, I never really delivered poetry verbally in the way that we know poets to do so. Gotcha. Was there like, when, what, did you like read other poetry? Was there like, were you like, oh, Emily Dickinson or like... I mean, I think uh, I had an amazing uh, female teacher in my freshman year. I went to St. Joe's. So it was like, again, as a woman, it was a different world and different always is. We're still catching up to being, you know, gender equality in this world and anything. But like having that all female experience uh, at that age of angst and this brilliant, young, beautiful teacher who was clearly like a role model immediately to me and a lot of the girls in the class. um, I think it was in her class that someone pointed out the nuance of Emily Dickinson doing um, the way she would write her words when she wanted you to feel the word more, she would like capitalize it out of grammatic context. And I stole that so quick. I (laughs) love that so much. I started writing that way and I still do to this day when I write my Facebook posts. I mean, a lot of us do that on Facebook. We'll like capitalize the word you, you know, because we really want you to know, like, thank you. And I'll put you in all caps, but in poetry, yeah, I mean, I will, you know, you have a line and then midway through it, you say a word that feels like something and you write it a little different. So I'll say that was definitely an influence um, stylistically. But no, I never really connected super deeply. Um, again, I can say teenage angst, Sylvia Plath, I was super into like in high school. But it was I could feel the morbidity of it, too, where it's kind of like, oh, we like this <laughs> because we were angsty teenagers and we yeah. feel all these things that we don't have language for. And this poor young woman at the time was feeling all of those things. And so it kind of scared me because I didn't want to be that, I didn't want to be that dark. Like I knew yeah. I had that darkness within me and I could also, I'm grateful that I read stuff like that and thought, you know what, that's not, that's not going to be the whole story for me. Like I can go that dark and deep and, and that pain, but I will not, it. I will not dwell on it if I don't have to. And I think, you know, so those two. Yeah. I things. think, well, I think there's, it's weird that something like that, because when you look back at it, you're like, this is like, whoa, this is drastic. And as a parent, if, if someone like, <laughs> you see your kid reading like that and Nietzsche and like, you know, some heavy yeah. stuff and you're like, oh no. But I think yes. part of it, like how you said, you don't have a way to emote it. So it's going to be kind of like the extreme expression, right? So it's going to be like the extreme I'm sad and the extreme I'm nirvana. But there's like... You know, there's like a, I think that that's why that stuff stays so relevant, even though when you look back at it, you're like, well, that was almost in a way, I'm not trying to to uh, diminish their work at all, but almost like, you know, so emotionally like ex- uh, potent, potent that it's almost <laughs> like childish in the sense of how potent it is like you're like yes wow they are really sad <laughs> you know they what are, i mean <laughs> really, yeah but at the same time like we all know we have had those fleeting moments if not you know knowing someone else or ourselves who have had you know months of their life feel that way but yeah. i'll say you know i haven't had months of my life feel that way but there can be an overarching gray cloud for a long time sometimes and to know again like you were just saying that i was saying that we're both saying that yeah it, it, it is good that, that 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 extreme stuff is there to know like okay this is how dark it can go this is how bright it can go like i'm trying to think of someone who's over the top happy and thinking like you know that used to rub me the wrong way like super yeah. happy music and i'd be like how can they even because there's no way that's who they are and then i realized again we don't have to be what i was saying earlier we don't have to be the same thing all the time we but yeah I, in a world where you're looking at people, it seems like they are the same thing all the time. And, you know, a lot of identity stuff is just, it's so interesting to think how I like to say, you know, music is a universal language for a reason, because we really can talk about anything when it's in the context of music. Like, like you're saying, extremely dark, extremely bright, extremely, all these things. It's like, put a song behind it and nobody's going to say, wow, that person must be depressed. It's like, no, I'm just expressing yeah. What those know. And that's a reflection well, on depression. A reflection on joy. Uh, a reflection on Yeah. Uh of <laughs> or yeah, you're on. <laughs> like I'm trying to think what's like the philosophical books. They'll be like uh uh they just it will say on expression. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I was thinking that's of what a... I was saying. Because, yeah, it's like and that's almost what I feel like what I was able to do is detachment in a healthy way for my own emotions and yeah. i think that is one of the greatest gifts music and life i have achieved is like i can step i think i can step back for myself sometimes in ways that i i hope others want to and i can help them because we sometimes are so quick we're so trained and programmed 
to react to our own emotions with our own patterns of thinking. And that can just be a cycle over and over again for some people that doesn't ever result in something growing, you know, yeah. or being positive and not even have to be positive, but just growing from that. So I think the ability to see the spectrum of emotions that all humans are capable of feeling and some get stuck in different pockets and don't even know they're capable of feeling the spectrum of emotions. But yeah, being able to detach a little bit from that and go, wow, that me is really sad right now. So this me better write a song and just let it out. And yeah. then five minutes later, that same me is I'm different. I feel better. I feel lighter. And I think that you know, that ability to detach from the moment, not get stuck in your head and create something is, I can't remember what I was answering exactly, but I know. <laughs> no, it's, it's, um, well, well, I, I want to speak on that point because I think that's important, even if it's just creating a conversation, finding the way. So like I find people that they'll like, they'll come at you with a thing that's bothering them. That's like a deep problem. You can't just expect your friend to like fix or, you know, or really be able to help with. And they're not really looking for that. They're looking for you just to hear and listen. Mm -hmm. And I think so even the act of create, like being creative in the sense of uh, a conversation is, is equally as like uh, lifting in the sense of like having, being in that place, expressing that place, leaving that place. Like I know if I'm, if, I, if someone's driving me crazy or if I talk to a buddy about, oh my God, that thing. And like once I'm done, I'm not like bothered by it anymore. And like, Absolutely. Um, going back to what well, I didn't mean to like with Sylvia Plath and like, I wasn't trying to say that's a childish type of thing with like their immense amount of emotion. But I think such an immense amount of emotion like um, can be like, for years and years and years a thing to like that it almost becomes an archetype in a sense mm -hmm. like and I think that's what a great author or a great poet or like a musician but like as far as like the written word can do is like leave this sense of like expression and you know like even if it's something like completely negative like a Machiavellian type thing or like a you know what I mean like the, that becomes like a term for describing this whole mindset and emotion I don't know absolutely no absolutely and, and I don't like, think I don't think any of your listeners or me would think that childish you mean it like that of course you yeah do. yeah I don't mean it but, in a bad way I was just trying to no but I'll say and again I took you know my my um Besides doing music in my 20s, I did. I went to school and got a bachelor's degree in sociology, but I did it really slow. So I took yeah. a lot of classes at community college, and I just loved the humanities. So I took communication, psychology, mythology, and again, just like what I do late at night when I'm creative, I was completely in. Like, I just was in. I was dove yeah. in, all in. So I was just learning all these things, like you're saying, archetypes for certain types of personalities and how... Again, they go back thousands of years. Like, we really are all characters in a way, and we just need to find out what character we're closest to and then decide if we like that or what we want to change about it. And if we want to take on different attributes from different archetypes of people, yeah. it is a matter of choice. And I'm no one to, like, preach about self-discipline, but to some degree, a little discipline. It's like, I want to be different. I want to, you know, I think when I was, I mean, when I was 18, one of my friends called me out for being, I used to be, like, one of those people that was just very sarcastic. I couldn't take a compliment. A lot of people are that way. I couldn't, yeah. whatever. And I just always had something smart to say. And one of my friends <laughs> called me a smart ass. One of my friends called me out that I was being mean. And I was so upset because I saw it through their eyes. And I couldn't believe what they saw. I was like, oh, my God, I am. Who do I think I am? And I went through this whole thing yeah. for a few months. And I started to choose to be this more sunny part of myself that was always in there. But I was obviously afraid to show because it's scary to show sunny and have someone else be the version of me that I just described, like have a friend that is sarcastic or pick on that or be like, yeah. make fun of you. But I got to the place where, yeah, it didn't matter. And I really knew that's, that is who I met, was meant to be like a little sunnier version than this person who was hiding behind, um, you know, picking on people or being uh, my friends. I mean, I didn't pick on people, but like in a group setting, I would be the one who was just like, Oh, whatever. And like pick on someone. So it's crazy to think, yeah, what I want to go back to what you, what I was saying though, what you were saying about childish <laughs> or whatever, yeah. which is the phrase, why I brought up going to school, um, communication. The phrase emotional intelligence has a ton of validity. And yeah. that someone like Sylvia Plath with uh, mental health issues, which we all definitely are subject to, in the when was she around, the early 1900s? I mean, yeah. do you think this woman had time to be educated and have a sense of emotional intelligence of herself? Like, probably not in the same way that I was or some of us were. She wasn't going to community college in a, you know, 
uh, all ages, all genders, all whatever times yeah. a day, and like sitting in a class all in saying, oh, emotional intelligence, what's this mean? Oh, it means that I can be sort of meta aware that I'm feeling this way, but maybe the world around me isn't how I feel it is to be at that moment when I'm at my lowest point. And that is, again, that ability to disconnect a little bit from like, you know, we've all seen it. Someone has like a terrible day and it's a legitimately terrible day to them, but they then feel that everything around them is as terrible as what went wrong that day. And just, it's an avalanche of badness. Whereas if that same person had the phrase in their mind, emotional intelligence, da, 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 like maybe they could have got through that day halfway through it and yeah. realized, you know what, it's not that bad. I'm going to treat myself to something good right now. I'm going to do this. And then they are all of a sudden radiating, you know, for the, themselves and those around them. And I think that it does come back to that responsibility. It's not just for ourselves to be good to ourselves, but for those around us. Like if we are in the depths of our own emotions, sometimes, you know, we're limiting, um, yeah. yeah, just just the positivity, and I don't mean like positivity, but the yeah. positivity of the vibes, the, the frequencies that we're emanating and affecting, you know, our families, friends, and even pets, right? Yeah. So there you go, yeah. a pet. A pet <laughs> is going to pick up if you're being terrible to yourself, like being terrible, you know, or just very upset, like pets pick up. It's like, wait a minute, if I can check that emotion and just be better right now, so... It's a journey for sure, for sure. And I think, I think if anything, that speaks to the the expression that was actually she in her work and like how um, raw and real it is, and that's why it still resonates now and still resonates. I feel I was talking to somebody, I can't remember who it was. Oh man, but they were saying they wrote. I'm like, they're like, man, I can't write anything anymore. Like in my twenties, I was just writing stuff like, like crazy, like right out of high school into my early twenties. I just had so much to say and so much to do. And like, I think there's something about being able to absorb that much expression at that young of age and being able to express, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think. Oh yeah. I, I know I, what you mean. I, I th- yeah. Like, I think it's still, I, I think if you say you can't do it anymore, you're there's, you can still do it. You just got to put more work into it. It's a plateau, too. I think yeah. that person, if you know that person personally, tell them, hey, you're amazing. You're at a plateau, though, in a self-expression, which just means that all you can only go up from here. You can't go back. If you've already expressed yourself to some degree and you feel like you can't anymore, and I do think I hit that wall, and I do think it was a place of raw emotion and just bleeding out the words, which I did through all my 20s. And then I got to a place where I was like, wait, what do I want to say which is totally different than what I need to say or what I'm feeling deeply. And so the songs you know me to play, a lot of those are songs that I want. Those are things that I've wanted to say. So like yeah. Marianne, you know what I mean? Yeah. My grandma's song about sunshine and let yourself love yourself the way a grandma would. I couldn't have said that in my <laughs> 20s to myself. I could absolutely not be that good to myself in my younger, angstier, raw emotion days. So there's anyone who feels that way. You know, be empowered that you're taking a, you're, if you will let yourself, you're going to be better than ever in a way that I feel that raw emotion is always there. And you can always go back to writing that way, though it is scary to detach from that. And that's what's happening. So that next step up is being able to say, you know what, I don't have to just be raw when I write. I can choose to show rawness or I can choose to show a self-awareness in a way about that rawness. And yeah, it's scary because it's a whole new playing field when you start doing that. No, that's, I think that's really well said. And I think it's important to like, to be able to go through that stage of like, you're saying the the plateau of it was a really good example because you're working your way up. Stuff's just coming out. You're just saying things, you're making things, you keep going, you keep going. And then you hit a point where you're like, I think for this individual, like you, you start, I think he just kind of ran out of steam and started working on other things, but like speaking, totally. of, <laughs> speaking for myself now, I think you get to like a point and you're like, then you start really analyzing what you're doing and trying to better it. I feel like anyone who's working at a craft is going to keep trying to figure out how to better that craft on their way up. And like, I think that eventually will lead to some type of plateau because you're going to constantly be like, okay, I, I got to go back and finish that. I got to do this. I got to work on this a little better. You know what I mean? Like, especially someone like yourself who's been writing songs for as long as you have. Like, well, okay, well, let's kind of catch. So you're working on guitar. <laughs> I'm really enjoying these uh, these uh, tangents of, like, uh, <laughs> philosophical thought. <laughs> well, so, wait, what What was the philosophy button then? If Sylvia Plath, Sylvia, I can't talk. Emily Dick- Dickinson in Plath 
was kind of like the poetic like uh, inspiration? Was there like a philosophical? Because you said that kind of struck you. Um, I definitely was exposed to a lot of philosophy. I, I am one of those people, though, that I have a hard time saying, like, you brought up Nietzsche earlier. Of course, yeah. I remember some of that. Like, I had a lot of, I think, male friends in high school that I, one in particular who was really into the dark philosophy. Mm-hmm. So I was sort of a, a reaction to that for him, yeah. where I was like, wow, like, that's effing dark. Like, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, again, it helped me show it. Sometimes people will help show you who you are by them being, like we were just saying, an extreme version of uh, raw emotion. But I will say that, not naming philosophies, but when I took mythology and world religions in my early 20s at community college, um, that was just, I would recommend every young person ever. And I know know all the information's out there on the internet these days, and we do all feel like we we know things and we have access to understanding. But a good old-fashioned textbook, just breaking stuff down sometimes, really is special. And again, like we were saying with touch, it's wired in our brain in a way to learn a certain way the way we're learning on the internet with everything in different directions tangents you know getting inspired quitting doing something else but just going to school taking a class on these very like broad subjects like world the religions of the world and just breaking them down and making the list of compare and contrast and you start to see the again these basic things that are all the same mythology oh my gosh everything's the same there's always a hero there's always you know in every in every religion you know there's the hero type archetype and there's the whatever and the whatever it's just like you start to see like everything of course it's connected this feeling i've had since i'm a kid everything really is connected but being able to learn that in a learn in an academic environment um reinstilled in me yeah a definite inspiration for feeling you know hope that because again i think it's just this feeling of like human connectedness like if somebody across the world in a different language in a different culture and a different everything is still moved by an idea of you know god to be this 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 thing that is supposed to be positive that's supposed to help someone not be moral or ethical but be just be a good you know be a good human it's moral and ethics is all it's relative in different cultures there's all these things to be said about that but just yeah i think standing back and so it's not one individual but it's showing collective individuals you know in an aggregate way and all those similarities through time and history and cross-culturally that really helped me stay inspired as a human gotcha that's i mean that's the for myth. I never took a mythology class, but I did study some stuff on my own. Because for me, uh, the reason I brought up the philosophy thing when I went to I went to Tri C. I don't know which word you went. Or, I went to for Lorraine Community College. Hey. Even though I didn't live in Lorraine County, it was a thing. But I, gotcha. I loved Lorraine Community College. So. <laughs> it was a thing. <laughs> it was a thing. It was a thing. It was a thing. I went to Tri C. I didn't do so good, so yeah. then I didn't want to go back there, gotcha. and that was the thing. Okay, fair enough. And like for me, like. Philosophy, taking my first philosophy course really made me kind of get that everything comes from one if it's religion or if it's whatever you're learning it comes from one central philosophy of a thing like okay what's the philosophy of geometry whatever there you can trace it back to some dude trying to answer something with some vague response and like within that vagueness comes a bit specificity but like um it is going back to what you said with religion. It is crazy how like the Jungian archetypes and all that stuff, even with myths or religion, how they all like stream together and how you think when those religions and all that stuff was made, there was no real way to communicate. Like there's no way yes. people in Africa knew the guy knew. all the way over the world. They and, weren't and, copying someone from across yeah, the world yeah, yeah. and going, oh, they all start from the same place. So I will say that now I have a name for you and that name is Joseph Campbell. Okay. So that's mythology. Yeah. There you go. Um, so and that, and you, the hero, uh, hero's journey. Okay, so I know we don't see each other that often, but a really big project that I worked on last year and the year before was a multimedia show called A Light in the Distance. Okay. And that was my, that was my like, life's work. It really was. I worked on it for years, so I made an album like eight years ago, and it was, it's for a different podcast. Like, there's so much to be said about this album. For me personally, it was What's my own album? heroes. The album's called A Light in the Distance. Okay. So this was my own hero's journey. I knew about Joseph Campbell's structural outline of the hero's journey from mythology. Mm -hmm. I knew I had learned again what we were saying before about how like in every religion and every culture has this story about the hero's journey. And the hero's journey 
is also recreated in pretty much everything we watch and consume. So, like, they were comparing religions and pop culture movies um, at the time I was in the class. The Matrix was still kind of new. So (laughs) they were comparing Neo and the Matrix being just like the same journey as we know of religion. So, like, Jesus's journey in Catholicism, you tell the person they're supposed to, you know, be the savior or whatever and the very first thing they do is think oh that can't be me that's not yeah. me this is for me the next thing they do is discover something about themselves and realize they really do have the power but they still don't want it and then so there's these steps the heroes take and then they meet somebody who, who helps them and then they meet someone that's usually a mythical creature and it's usually they describe it almost every religion and every story follows these guidelines and it just freaking blew my mind so this is me learning about the hero's journey Fast forward to me making this album, I'm thinking, what if me as an artist, what if all these artists out there, uh, we have to be our own heroes to ourselves to be able to really become ourselves? So like I opened up by saying I used to hide behind veils when I expressed myself because I just didn't know what I was saying or I didn't think it was right or I didn't think all these negative thoughts I used to have. I said, F that. I'm going to go on my own hero's journey. So without going into all this detail about the album, it was a very special way that I recorded it. I was completely alone. I was completely open about what i was recording which i really couldn't even do that at the time like i couldn't just hit record and like make stuff i used to be very in my head so with this album i made myself approach it different than anything i had ever done and then when i I ended up putting it all together i could feel how these songs wanted to go in a certain order that followed this outline of the hero's journey and ended up with a light in the distance and ended with a song that you've probably heard me do before called the sound you know Okay. And the lyric in the yeah. sound you know is the sound you know is love. And there's a, li- uh, a lyric in the verse that says, <clears throat> it's not right, it's not wrong, it's just bright and strong. And it meant everything to me because, yeah. again, it takes all moral relati- relativism out of it. It's not right, it's not wrong. Stop thinking in terms of right or wrong at ourselves, whether it's creatively or our actions or our choices or our regrets. You know, it's none of that matters right or wrong. It's are we being bright? Are we being strong to ourselves? And so long story long, Joseph Campbell, Hero's Journey, huge inspiration. It ended up turning it into this multimedia show that I did with all these videos. And I basically showed how I went on this journey. The first song on the album is called Unlearn. And it's this idea of, you know, everything we think we knew, throw it out. And just try to start with this, like, open mind of, like, you are special. You are important and have to be your, your own hero first. Yeah. No, I think that's a huge. Wow, that's so badass. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> was it? I didn't. Uh, was it? I think. Well, be the unlearned part is. I think sounds like coming from your personal journey, and I think most people, if there's got to be some, uh, you unlearning the fact that if you're gonna do any endeavor that's a creative thing or that's kind of like, oh yeah, make sure you keep your day job. Can't be playing that guitar all day. You know what I mean? Like you got to unlearn that fear in a sense to go do something. And like, so even if it's a, um, even if it's just playing at mic night and you are trying a new song or whatever, there's some fear that's naturally there, even though everyone in the bar doesn't care. They're just waiting for their turn or, you know, they're, they're talking and you're the background noise. It's like, you know what I mean? It's, there's a thousand other points in between that, but, um, so this fear is kind of innate within yourself, and the more you go to a place and play a thing or do a certain thing, you're unlearning that. So that's a really just that. That's how you started. It's really it's the call to adventure, right? Yes, um, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what uh, it is. The that's call so to cool. Adventure. Was it? Yeah. There's a, there was this. Um, so I kind of I forget where I learned the the whole the journey the whole circle the whole like steps towards it but i remember um last year it might not be on netflix anymore but there's this really cool set of lectures with joseph campbell did you see those i think we watched them in that mythology class okay. and that's how i was like yeah even more into it with and, uh the inter- it was like a pbs a WBC yeah, yeah, yeah. or pbs interview set up right yeah and it was like a bunch of episodes and they're all super long and they're all like so Joe, you know, I mean, they're all like, if you just like, are, <laughs> if you get home after the gig and turn that on, unless you're <laughs> ready for it, you're gonna be like, what? 
<laughs> like this is tiring because like it's a really in-depth conversations but like no it's super monotone if i remember correctly yeah. like it was sort of like yeah i remember like within like the second one they start comparing it to star wars and you're like yes that's another one that's like right on the because no, that everyone's... is that was the other one that was right on with it too and it is i mean yeah he, oh it can't be me you know i yeah. can't quote star wars but i can remember the scenes and you know meeting the robots those are his like mythical helpers and a lord of the rings that Gollum character like yeah. all these things are like just remember. straight textbook they're textbook and that i realized that too at the time i'm like wait a minute creative people know this or they don't and when they don't they still default to this yeah. pattern which is crazy so most do you... people do know the structure and a lot of writers for tv shows and movies are absolutely referencing it to some degree like for sure for sure when that's you look why, yeah like star wars or any of the the comic book stuff that's so popular now is because it all kind of hits those points. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, oh, I can't be a, I can't be the Ant Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Every movie, you could probably could put a montage together of like every character, every hero saying, "I can't do it," and then it's all there. It's all. That would be there. cool if someone did that with all like those yeah. like. Well, <laughs> if we we're gonna time. assign homework. <laughs> we got time right now. Don't tempt me. Don't give me a project that I will do. <laughs> But um, do you think, it also kind of makes me think of, like, if certain people within, I guess it could be anything, but since we're our kind of medium right now is music, if certain people kind of skip those steps, it's almost like a, a taboo. Does that make sense? Like, so if someone who just starts playing is super confident and super amazing, some people will knock it down, like, oh. Like, there's something unappealing about, like, someone who comes off, like, stupid, like, I want to say cocky, but you, but in a way, they could have gone through their whole journey to get to that point, right? And, like, you're just seeing them on the first, I don't know, like, do you think there's, if certain of those steps within that journey aren't taken out of the archetype, do you think that messes with people? I think it's maybe my more clear question. <laughs> I mean, I think that, I think everybody's journey is probably defined by some of the structural steps, but it doesn't mean that, you know, emotions, again, what we were saying before, emotional intelligence, the way you're brought yeah. up, the way, you know, the way you understand love from your family and from your early experience. I think all those things shape us so hard that it's so hard to gauge what the journey is like for each person. I, and I really do think that when it comes to music and art, I'm quick to... Uh, accept that everybody has has is doing their freaking best to be their best what they think their best is and that goes back to this you know relativism where it's kind of like yeah that's not the attitude i would take if i knew what you know what i mean like you Mm -hmm. or whatever like yeah i i don't ever try to ever come off that way or yeah but what if somebody does think i am and then they think like what you just said what if that, that could be someone's perception of me and i would never ever imagine that it is that being said, when we're thinking other people are that way, I mean, they could be up there totally in their own head, completely nervous. They might seem confident and cocky, but even gotcha. that's part of the, like, the act who knows? Or so, yeah. yeah, I mean, who's to say what it, what someone else's journey is like and where, who's to say that we only go on it once, back to plateaus? You mm, know, there can be multiple. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Skipping steps point. the first time, but then you go back and you redo it and you take some of those middle steps or, you know. Like I said, for me personally, making that album was incredibly heavy. I was incredibly you know, diligent in the sense of like, okay, did I miss any steps in the songs or do these songs relate to the steps? And they just, I kept shocking myself that I was writing songs that I really felt like they fit in. Because again, the idea yeah. of when I made that Light in the Distance album, I did this whole unedited thing. I just hit record and I just, and then I'd go back and kind of try to see if, you know, it made sense. And I would use stuff that was making sense to me. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, someone has to want to be vulnerable i think i think for me i think they have to be vulnerable to want to truly embrace and embark the journey and it is for you yourself and you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's not about worrying if someone does think i guess after the fact if you're cocky or not and that again it was a hard thing for me to think because i never thought i was as good as and i still don't i mean i think there are voices that are you know they're so but there's people that are so good and I'm just me doing me. Yeah. But I used to not be okay with that. I used to think, well, I can't even put myself out there if I don't, you know, get a pitch perfect voice. I can't put myself out there. If yeah. I don't write songs that follow this type of structure, I can't put, and it's like my journey helped me get over those things. I think everyone's journey is definitely going to help them get over the thing that they need to get over. And who's to say, you know, yeah. everything else in between. 
Yeah, I was no mean by trying to say that was you. I was just trying to like think. Oh no, no, no. I, didn't take, <laughs> I, know. I didn't take it that way. I good, meant good. I was saying that. But I definitely yeah. didn't think you meant that way, which is why I used myself as an example. Gotcha. I think any of us can think we are the the good guy in the movie, and you never know that in someone else's movie you are the bad guy. To For them. sure. So I'm sure. I I know I have, and trust me, it always shocks me when I offend someone, like truly offend them. But in my life, I have definitely there are a few people who just don't like me. You know, they yeah. just don't like me. I'm like. Well, because I always think that I'm trying to put this truth out there that is my own. And, I'm, you know, so that's what I meant. To, that's the only reason I use myself as an example, because it's like, yeah, you don't think you're that person. And then in someone else's eyes, you are. So who are we yeah, to say when we're looking sure. at someone else saying, oh, they're being cocky or they're being this? We don't know shit about what they dealt with in their life. We don't know. We don't know if they had parents that were a certain way we don't know if they learned to love themselves a certain way or talk to themselves a certain way and we're just all we're always growing ideally we're always growing everyone's always trying to be aware of those things I think that um so I agree I don't, I was just like in my mind I was like as we're talking about I'm like I wonder if there's a thing if you skip those steps if that's if that's off putting because it's so ingrained into humanity and like into our our way of thinking and uh the, seeing the hero but so that's where that question came from it wasn't a, a particular individual um but before I forget and go on another tangent I think that's important to admit that change in the act of change is to analyze oneself, which is putting yourself in a vulnerable spot because now you are, you are the key person looking at all the, the, the cracks and the, the scratches and trying to polish it or whatever. So any of that, um, analyzing like that and being in that spot is going to be, and I think in a healthy way should be a vulnerable or in a vulnerable spot or in a, in a thing that's not always comfortable to do. You know what I mean? It's not always comfortable to analyze what you're doing. And, like, I know for me, like, if I listen to any type of recording, I automatically become, like, a heightened. It's like a cup of coffee. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, this is so messed up. <laughs> yeah. No, and it is. It's having the space, I think, like you said, to be vulnerable. We don't, again, at a weird time that we're having this conversation, but I was going to say, because we're all, you know, staying home. Um, when I made that album, I was actually house-sitting for friends who had just gotten married, and I was alone. I always had yeah. lived with someone. I was alone for an entire week, and I loved it. I was truly embracing <laughs> that space and alone time, and that allowed me to have fun in the space, fun enough to make being vulnerable fun. That yeah. really was the, the trick for me, as I chose, like I said, to go to just, to, to, hey, I got a week. I'm going to, every day, I'm going to go on this, like, weird journey, and I'm going to let myself just be and no one's around so when i hit record no one will hear but but me and if i don't like what i hear i could delete it and just being able to tell myself that was a big deal at the time because i always felt like i was you know being observed and judged which i wasn't but that was my thing is i thought people were like thinking about people are not thinking about what you're doing only we are thinking about what we're doing and once we can put ourselves in an alone space to realize wait those are my thoughts those are not other people's thoughts on me. Those are what I'm thinking. They're thinking about me. <laughs> that is where I think the true like fun and vulnerability starts yeah. to begin. But again, it's scary to realize that it's scary to realize that we've wa- we've all wasted time thinking about what uh, what we think other people are thinking of yeah. us. I think that's really the scary thing in vulnerability is like, wait, I did this to myself. I've always been yeah. doing this to myself, and it's time to it's time. If I don't, Shit. and now that I know that. <laughs> start acting differently then i'm really going to be upset with myself so it's that whole that's what's scary about vulnerability continue recording here and i will backtrack it and then piece it together but um before we wrap it up it's sunday 8 p.m and playing at virtual show cle and this album you've been telling me about which is in a multimedia platform can people still get it in this multimedia platform so funny you should ask because due to the quarantine i've been thinking about re-releasing things in a certain way during the time so i haven't thought through exactly how yet okay that's why i thought it through so (laughs) i have the the original music videos i think i'm going to release those either all together at the same time or one by one because when i recorded the album originally i actually recorded it to a video dv video camera so i have these like original videos that i then went back and creatively edited the video so gotcha. I'm going to do those for videos first and, and alongside of the audio of the album and then the multimedia platform show that it became only the attendees have ever seen that I've never gotcha. released like anything but a few pictures from the mall. I did two multimedia shows 
one last year at Forest City Brewery um, where I completely had like a DIY, like a DIY stage situation that I created. And then I also did it this last year at Ingenuity Fest, which oh, was awesome cool. because yeah. I had total control of that space as well. Um, where were you for that? Shows. Which I'm stage sorry? were you on for that? I'm trying um, to remember. God, I, I just forgot the name of it. The, the, Cause we the, played the one where too. the truck parks. I can't remember the name oh, of my stage. The, the, right. Oh, the, the cabaret stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. the cabaret stage. Cool, so, cool. Um, but yeah, so neither of those went perfectly, and so I don't think that I would release the entirety of either show yet. But yeah. what I would like to do is edit together, almost like if you were watching when they show like a, a theater play and you watch it on TV. Um, it would almost have that feeling, except maybe I would like edit some things together. So I do have some plans for it resurfacing during this time. Um, thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. So we got that to look out for, and it's just going to be you, right? Or is it going to be? Yeah, no, okay. it's just yeah, okay, just me cool. for the CLE show. Sweet. Um, looking forward to that. Yeah, my band, Megan the Magnetosphere. We look forward to when we can play out again, or when we can do a, you know a house show together. But at this time, we're not really getting together fully. Yeah. Um, but we are working on ways to virtually jam too, which I'd love to yeah, if you keep talking any, about. If you got any good ideas on how that works, I've, I've got questions on that. But I'm gonna stop Still recording, learning. and I'm gonna let you go. Hold on. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Thanks so much, Dave.